0: From NPR, it's World Café. Hi, I'm Kaleo. So maybe Don't Forget was a reminder to Demi Lovato. 2008's Don't Forget was Lovato's debut album, and it was a guitars-up pop-punk record, which makes the new album from Lovato a full-circle moment. It's easy to forget... That before they became one of the biggest pop stars of the 2010s with songs like Sorry Not Sorry and Cool for the Summer, Lovato was making music that had more in common with bands like Hole, Veruca Salt, and Paramore. Lovato's latest album has a title that we can't actually say on the radio. We'll have to edit out one of the two words, but that title fits with the sound. On the album, Lovato eschews the keyboards for guitars and finds their way back to making music that they fell in love with rock and roll there's a lot of serious topics on tap on the album substance abuse survivor's guilt and power imbalances in relationships but there's also joy acceptance and empowerment we'll talk with demi about finding their way back to rock music in this candid conversation it's coming up in a minute but first a bit of the song freak it's demi lovato on world cafe On the World Cafe, that's Demi Lovato with Youngblood. The song is Freak. It's the track that opens their most recent album. Demi Lovato is my guest today. I'm Kaleo. This is the World Cafe. Demi, so nice to meet. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you.
0: So because this is public radio, the title of your album will be bleeped, but I want to talk about it. Um, It's called Holy (inaudible). Why did you want to call it that?
1: I wanted to call it that because I wrote a song on the album called "Holy," F- and um, it's basically there's a lot of songs on the album that have to do with duality, and "Holy" F- was kind of one of those where you're you have a double meaning with a song.
0: To some people, this might feel like an out of the blue pivot, uh, but you grew up. Loving screamo and hard rock and and metal you know your first album don't forget its pop punk influences on their sleeve
2: do you feel the way I feel cause nothing else is real <laughs> and the
0: Does returning to rock after a decade of pop feel like a full circle moment?
1: It definitely does. And you know what? I feel comfortable. Like, I didn't feel myself when I was releasing the other music. Um, I felt like this hyper feminine pop star that like a lot of people wanted me to be. And um, I also thought that that's what I should do is just do what people want of me. And so after realizing that that's not who i am i wanted to stay true to what feels true to me and this was it
0: i mean as someone who grew up listening to 90s and 2000s alternative rock and some of the harder edge stuff i felt right yeah. at, right at home were there any groups you had in mind when you started working on this record or going like i like that sound i you know i want to lean into that
1: some of the music that i was listening to when i was inspired to make this album was Hole um, was Veruca Salt, um, also Paramore. You know, I wanted, I loved those female rockers and I wanted to make music that paid homage to them.
0: Was there a moment where you said to yourself, I can make a record like Hole does or Veruca Salt or Paramore. I want to make a record. Let's do it. Was Was there a sea change at any point where you're like, we can do this, so let's do it?
1: I went into the studio in January of last year and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had this playlist and I had this music that I had been listening to and we went into the studio and I remember putting on Flyleaf's So Sick. I will... ah! And was like, "This is the vibe," and so we just ran with that and um, ended up coming out with the music that we did. And so it was the beginning of the creative process for the album.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and what really impressed me about about the album and the Sonics is that you know you have some longtime collaborators who's, who's worked with you on pop projects and other ones like Oak Felder and Ten Four and Alex Nice. Yes. I, it's so cool that you know, ostensibly what you would think as a pop producer is jamming out on guitar or playing bass. What did those guys bring to the table for you? Because I I was just impressed that like, wow, they're they're kind of probably stretching out just like you were.
1: Oh my gosh, they're called The Orphanage and um, they work with Oak Felder. And Oak Oak is a producer of mine that I had been working with for quite some time. And he has, he grew up listening to rock music. And so when and we had made um, the emo version of I Love Me together. And so I knew he had it in him and um, I wanted to see, I wanted to like pick his brain and see where he was at with rock music. And when we went into the studio that day, it was just like this, I felt like I had broken ground in a sense where like, I shattered the pavement of what used to be.
0: Awesome. It's the World Cafe, Demi Lovato is here. Let's get into a live performance recorded in Irving, Texas just a few months back. This is Substance. Recorded live for World Cafe, it's Demi Lovato and a performance of Substance. Demi Lovato is my guest. My name is Kaleo. This is the World Cafe. So talking about songwriting, um, you know, it's good to have people who are on your side who can help you find the vision that you want to articulate, get out into words. And and you had someone who worked with you who was really helpful in that regard, yeah?
1: Yes. Uh, Her name is Laura Veltz, and she is just an incredible, incredible songwriter um, she's an amazing friend, and we wrote every song on this album together, um, or at least most of them together. And I started making the album from like a very angry place and wanting to take my power back and things like that. And then she's very poetic, and she helps shape the song. Like I'm able to get in the studio and word vomit what is on my mind and on my heart, um, but she was able to help me piece it together in a way that was, that made the album what it is today. And she actually just got nominated for songwriter of the year at the Grammys this year. So I'm really proud of her and I'm really grateful for her.
0: Yeah. I think it's so interesting that it starts, you know, sort of getting these emotions out, the, the sort of feeling of anger, because I I think people think personal growth is all about just peace and serenity, but it's, it's kind of also about accepting yourself and owning yes. those emotions. And so you're angry in a way that, you know, people probably haven't experienced in your music before, at least not at this sort of level of intensity. Did that feel as cathartic as I imagine it would be?
1: Yes, it definitely did. I felt like I had a rebirth when I made this album because I felt like I shedded a lot of old skin and came out of it on the other side. And so it felt really good to make this album. Yeah.
0: Um. You're in charge of how much you share or give of yourself in these songs. Do you have an internal dialogue of what you want to share on a song that's very powerful like 29?
1: Yes, I definitely had an internal dialogue with what I wanted to share on 29. Um, 29 was a very emotional and vulnerable songwriting experience for me. Um, You know, I had actually just come out of treatment when I made this album. And so I had a lot of stuff that I had just worked through in my treatment center that I had gone through. Um, I had a lot of stuff that I needed to process. And so um, coming out of that, I had some anger and this was one of the things I was very angry at. And I just felt I needed to get it out and off of my chest so um, so that I could move on and enjoy my life. And... I couldn't do it without honoring what I had experienced and knowing that there were people out there that had gone through the same thing and needed a song to kind of work as an anthem for them.
0: You know, it's tough for me to put it into words what the song's about. If you were to tell someone listening for the first time what to listen in for or the story for you, what would you say?
1: I would say that the song's about owning your truth. You know, the song is, um, about an experience where someone much older was dating, um, well, let me remember how I phrased this, um, you know, the song is, the song is about, um, an experience that I had where I was in an inappropriate relationship with someone that was much older than me having so many people relate to that experience was really meaningful to me and impactful, and I felt it brought me closer to my fans.
0: Thank you for giving us a little background and insight. With that out of the way, let's take a listen right now. Recorded live in Texas, this is an awesome performance of 29. It's Demi Lovato on World Cafe.
3: drink wine just five years of later student and a teacher far from medicine what the It's yes. yours!
0: Recorded live, that is a performance of "29" from Demi Lovato. You can find it on her new album, "Holy." It's the World Cafe. I am Kaleo, and one of the things about the album that so impressed me is how at ease and comfortable your voice sounded. Like, yes, it mm. was—it was like strange to hear distorted guitars surrounding, but it, it felt so natural, and you sounded like you really had ownership of that. Can you talk a little bit about like the transition or how you approach uh, being a pop vocalist versus what you were doing on the album with rock music?
1: There wasn't really much shift for me. The shift was um, just feeling my emotions more. I feel like in pop music, like when I was angry, you don't hear that on the record like you do in some of the records on this album. And I felt like, I feel like also in pop music, I hadn't really made a lot of like music honoring my anger because that doesn't really go over well in pop music. My songs that did well were sexy and um, love songs, things like that. And so there wasn't much that I changed. I just felt more uh, emotions and that's where, Songs like 29 came out, songs um, like Freak and Eat Me, you know, those songs really honor my experiences. And I feel like I'm being so vulnerable and speaking the truth. And yeah, the the guitars just bring something out of my voice that feel really good to me. So I'm going to stick to that.
0: Yeah, it's cool to hear that other side of it, even if it's not you know, because I think about pop music or or rock, I was like, is that a calculated thing? Is that changing the tone of your voice or singing more from the diaphragm, but it's more just feeling what you were feeling?
1: Yeah, it's just emoting, you know? Like, rock and roll is not about trying to be something you're not. It's just about feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, this is a record you're doing for yourself. And for me, the most interesting art isn't concerned with what the audience thinks, you know, you, you, you got to do this for you. Whatever happens, be damned. Right. But right. for some of your fans, this is this has got to be a leap. I mean, one that you are taking with them, to be sure. Um, but it's probably a leap for some of them. What, have you been surprised by any reaction from the fans that, you know, was heartening or made you like, oh, wow, I'm so glad I did this because they're resonating with it, too?
1: I think what was really cool for me was performing the live shows, seeing the response on the fans' faces, um, seeing them feel more at home at my shows. Like, there was a level of comfort in the audience that I hadn't witnessed from my fans before this tour. It was also really cool to see the demographic in my audience change, you know? There were people of all ages and just different walks of life that, um I hadn't really experienced at my shows before, and it was really, really cool to see my audience expand.
0: I can imagine. Like, you probably had some rockheads who had never experienced your music until this record, and there's nothing attached to it. They can just jump on board and and be a part of that discovery, which I think is so yes. rad.
1: And, you know, um, I had an amazing guitarist named um, Nita Strauss who played for Alice Cooper and has built this brand, this empire of her own as a guitarist. And she's such a rock star, but she was my guitarist on tour. And I saw a lot of people in the audience wearing her shirts. And at first in the beginning of the show, I would see them like really just kind of rock out or pull out their phones whenever there was a solo of hers. But then towards the end of the show, I noticed them, I kind of like won them over by performing. And then I'd see them pull out their phones and like be really into the performance and rock out and that was kind of cool because i made it a point to like give them a good show so that they would see you know this is who i am and this is who she's playing for and um it was cool to like win people over too um to like have that experience was awesome
0: Yeah. I haven't been on stage very often in my life, but that is, you know, the moment where you're like, I can work a crowd. They, they're skeptical or they're not sure what they're getting into, but by the end of it, they're in love with it. And they're like, let's go. Oh yeah. That's
1: one of my favorite things about performing is sometimes I look in the audience and I see the, the boyfriend of the girlfriend who wanted to come to the show, but is kind of stuck and doesn't know, you know, isn't really into it. And then I, I perform my hardest. I give the best show that I possibly can. And if by the end of the show, they're you know, having a great time and I can see that they're rocking out like that feels to me like I've won something over, like I did my job. And so that was that's always a really cool experience, too.
0: This is World Cafe. Hey, I'm Caleo, Demi Lovato, my guest. You sent great performances from the new songs, but you also sent um, an older song. And I know that, as we've discussed, you have an interesting relationship with those records because, mm-hmm. um you know you're proud of them, and they're very successful and well received, but they're not where you're at anymore. So when I saw mm-hmm. "Cool for This Summer" on the playlist, I was like, "All right, this is a cool set list." Um, wh- why did you <laughs> Why did you keep it in the um, the set for the tour, and why'd you want to share it with us today?
1: Well, I wanted to share it because um, it is one of my my biggest songs in my catalog. And um, what was cool was when I went on tour with. This new music, I'm tweaked some of the older songs to have the rock edge too that um, the newer stuff has, and so um, "Cool for the Summer" was one of them. I, you know, amplified the guitars and made it more rock, and it was really fun for me. Um, I it also like had a really big year on TikTok, um, ironically, like out of nowhere, it's just like back in the Spotify 50 on the whatever chart, you know, and it was just, it was really awesome to have that resurgence of an older song.
0: Yeah. And the, I want people to hear just a sliver of the album version, uh, from confidence in 2015, because the thing that I thought about was the intensity is there. It might not yes. be, it might not be guitar up or, or, but it, it has, a rock energy to it so I want people to hear a bit of it before they hear the live version <laughs> Now you get to hear a live performance, slightly different energy on this cool for the summer. It's Demi Lovato on World Cafe. Go! Cool for the summer, recorded live in Texas. It's from our guest, Demi Lovato. The new album, Holy is available now. Demi, it's been a pleasure to talk. Thank you so much for sharing time with us and telling stories about the album. Um, Best of luck in the future, and please come back and see us again sometime soon. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's Demi Lovato. This is World Cafe.